All right, let's begin this morning by reading in the Gospel according to Mark one more time. Mark chapter 1. We will begin looking uh, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 23. Mark chapter 1, verse 23. And I want to read all the way down to verse 34. Mark 1, 23. And I want to read all the way down to verse 34. Mark 1, 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded, commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith... When they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is marked by two distinct activities. The first is the preaching of the gospel. He entered into his ministry by preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. The second is good works. Good works that include are included the healing of the sick and the casting out of demons. And as I touched on this last week when I said that signs follow the preaching of the gospel. I want to pick up on it this morning and expand on it. Good works always follows the true preaching of the gospel. Good works always follow true Christianity. Without good works, there is no evidence of a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no evidence of true love for God. And there is no evidence of true love for your neighbor without good works. And so these things go together. And in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, he involved himself in the healing of the sick and the casting out of demons. When John the Baptist was put in prison and sent two of his disciples to Jesus Christ to see if he indeed was the true Messiah. Jesus answered in this way, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 20. 
When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Verse 21. And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities, and plagues, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. These two things, the gospel being preached and good works, were a testimony that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah, the Savior of sinners. Peter's testimony is the same way in Acts chapter 10 when he is speaking uh, to Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, uh, the scripture says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Doing good, healing and Dealing with demons. When it comes time for Paul to stand before Agrippa and he gives testimony of true Christianity, the Apostle Paul says this in Acts chapter 26. Acts 26, beginning in verse 19 and going to verse 21. Here is his testimony. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He had been cast from his horse. He had been saved and God had called him to the gospel ministry. And he says, I wasn't disobedient to that. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea. And then to the Gentiles, what? That they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Here it is. I'm preaching the gospel that men ought to repent and turn to God. And then, after having repented and turned to God, they do works meet for repentance. In verse 21, he says, For these causes, for preaching the gospel and telling men they ought to do good works, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Isn't that what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ? And isn't that exactly what they did to John the Baptist? It is true of those in those days, and it is true in this day, that if we preach the gospel and say that with the gospel comes a responsibility of good works, uh, many will rise up in anger against us. Once saved, always saved, brother. Hadn't been in church in 20 years, but I'm a Christian. No. With the gospel comes good works. With receiving the gospel comes good works. Our text this morning teaches us and shows us in Mark chapter 1 the good works that Jesus Christ was involved in. Includes healing those who were sick and casting out demons. 
Now I want to deal with that just a minute, a few minutes this morning as we look at this. This is our text this morning. This is what we want to deal with. We want to skip over the fact that Jesus Christ cast out demons and healed the sick. And there are six things that we can draw out of the context of our text this morning. The first one is this. The Bible teaches there is a kingdom of darkness ruled by the devil and filled with unclean spirits or demons. That seems like it ought to be something we just simply recognize as a truth. But there are many today that say that was in Jesus' day. That kind of thing took place in the days of Jesus Christ. In the days of the apostle. That doesn't happen today. We don't have a text like this doesn't apply to us today. Well, let me just start out by saying this. The Bible teaches there is a kingdom of darkness ruled by the devil and filled with unclean spirits or demons. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1 verse 23, there were there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Here we're introduced for the first time to the kingdom of darkness. In church, it's in the synagogue, but in the gathering, under the preaching of the gospel, there is a man who has a demon. But that should not surprise us. The rest of the scripture confirms these things to be true. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 tells us, 1 John 5, 19, where John writes, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. 1 John 5, 19. John divides the world up into two groups of people, those who are of God and the rest who lie in wickedness. The Greek word words for lie and wickedness indicate that they lie in the lap of the evil one. They are, as it were, at rest in the lap of the evil one. They lie in the realm of the evil one. The whole world lies in that realm. We forget those truths. Forget that when we walk out on the streets of our city, our town, and we go to this Brownwood or Abilene or go to San Antonio, that the world is lying in the lamp of the evil one. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 12 and verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world... Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The ruler of this world, Satan. He's talking about Satan. He's talking about the devil. The world belongs to him. Do you remember when I was preaching on the temptation of Christ and Satan took him up and showed him the world and all the nations and all the riches of it and said, I'll give it all to you. Just bow down. It's mine to give to whoever I want to give it to. It's an aspect and a truth that we don't keep in the forefront of our minds very often. 
Jesus said the prince of this world is going to be cast out. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinthians, says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. He calls him the God of this world. Christ calls him the prince of this world. Both mean that he is the ruler of this world. The whole world lies in wickedness. And on this morning in our text, Jesus comes in with four of his disciples into the synagogue. And there is a man there. There is a man there with an unclean spirit. That would not be uncommon. When lost people come into the house of God. That would not be uncommon. We have seen it often in our ministry here in Mexico and in India we have seen it often Ephesians chapter 6 Paul reminds the church in Ephesians in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 and 12 exhorts them to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's what we're wrestling against. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those in high authority. Principalities and powers. There's this whole um, order set up in the kingdom of Satan where there are different ranks of demons that rule. And we're to put on the whole armor of God and we may be able to stand against that. The first point I want to bring out this morning in the context of good works that Jesus Christ did is that He did it in the realm of the kingdom of darkness. Jesus left the kingdom of glory and came to this earth, the kingdom of darkness. And he came into a world where the prince of the world was the devil who ruled it. Second point that we see from our text, and that is this. The preaching of the gospel not only disturbs the souls of sinners, but it disturbs the kingdom of darkness. Every preacher of the gospel needs to know this. It disturbs the kingdom of darkness. Go back to verse 23. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. He cried out. He cannot just sit peacefully under the preaching of the gospel with the Lord Jesus Christ present. He cried out. This is not uncommon during the days of the Apostle, Acts chapter 16. The Apostle Paul is in Philippi. He arrives there, Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. And on the Sabbath went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Gathered with the people by the side of the river where prayer was being made on the Sabbath. Drop down to verse 16 if you're turned over there. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination 
met us, which brought her masters much gain. Verse 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now what's wrong with that? The words are true. What's wrong with it, and Paul understands it, is that a demon is speaking it. She had been used, had a spirit of divination and had been used to prophesy or foretell the future and had made a lot of money for her masters. Now she's following Paul around and saying, These are the men from God who come to preach the way of salvation to us. Verse 18, And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. Under the preaching, under gathering together by the riverside to pray and preach the gospel, there he shows up, doesn't he? Someone with a spirit shows up. The kingdom of darkness is disturbed by the preaching of the gospel. And this is true of all true gospel preaching. Not only in the days of Jesus Christ, not only in the days of the apostles, but in all the days in which the gospel has been preached and will be preached in our day also. And in the true preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to disturb not only the souls of sinners, but the kingdom of darkness. Sometimes preachers who don't believe that there's a kingdom of darkness anymore or that there are spirits anymore, sometimes they may not notice the gospel effects upon the unseen world of darkness. Perhaps they're not alert to it. Perhaps they don't even believe it exists. And so they don't notice things that happen within their congregation. But they are there nonetheless. I remember as a young Christian, I probably two or three years old in the Lord. I was holding a Bible study on Friday night. We started with a handful of people and that thing grew to 40 or 50, 40 or 45 people. I don't want to go to 50. I think 45 was the tops on that. And we would have always more than 30 and less than 45. On one particular Friday night, we gathered and we were just getting ready and we were praying and we were just getting ready to open up the scriptures And I don't know how many there were, but it sounds like dozens and dozens of dogs started barking. There may have only been one or two, I don't know, but it sounded like there were just dozens of them surrounding the house and barking and barking and barking. And they wouldn't be quiet. And I tried to start, and I tried to start, and I I finally said, let's pray. And I bowed my head and I said, God... The evil one's present. And we want to study your word. Would you drive him away? Silence. I lifted up my head, and everybody's like, What just happened? And we had our Bible study. Most 
would have gone on and tried to press through the barking of dogs or just said we can't have the Bible study tonight because the dogs are barking. But I understood that you can't preach the gospel without disturbing the kingdom of darkness. And we need to understand it in this congregation. Before the gospel is preached, all sinners lie in the realm of darkness. I just quoted it to you. 1 John 5.19 The whole world lieth in wickedness. Before the gospel is preached, not only do they lie in the realm of darkness, but they are bound and kept at peace in the realm of darkness. In Luke chapter 11, we have an account of instruction given by our Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus is speaking about casting out of demons, and he says, But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then in verse 21, he says, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. The strong man armed is Satan, keeping his palace, that's his place of rule over the kingdom of darkness, and the goods that are within that are in peace. That's why they are able to just lie in the lap of the evil one as though they are resting. They're not disturbed, they're at peace. They don't know anything is wrong with their situation. They were born that way and grew up that way and they were instructed that way and they have no idea that there's anything different. They live, as the gospel says, in the realm of darkness. Light springs up where people live and it springs up in the realm of darkness. Verse 22, Jesus continues speaking and says, But when a stronger than he, when someone stronger than Satan, shall come upon him, overcome him, he taketh from him all of his armor wherein he trusted, and divideth his spoil. That's when the kingdom of darkness is disturbed. Satan keeps all of his goods at peace. Jesus Christ kicks open the palace door and walks in and things get disturbed. I've come to get that which is mine. Praise the Lord. Mark records it this way. Mark chapter 3 and verse 27. No man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods. Take him as a spoil of war. The word spoil there means to be taken as a spoil of war. That means Jesus Christ and Satan had a war and Jesus won and he takes out that which is his. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man. Then he will spoil his house. All sinners are bound and kept at peace within the realm of darkness. But, under the preaching of the gospel in the day in which we live, all sinners who are saved are taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of God's dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes about it in the Colossian letter. Colossians 1 and verse 13. Speaking of God who had delivered us from the power of darkness... And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The word power and the word kingdom come from the same Greek word. means the authority or the realm of rule. 
He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and translates us into the kingdom of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God does that. Because a strong man keeps us bound. We cannot deliver ourselves because we are not stronger than Him. And so the kingdom of darkness is disturbed under the preaching of the gospel. Third, one of the purposes of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is to destroy the devil and his kingdom. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John 3, 8. For he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God is, was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose... There are very few scriptures that delineate things in such a clear statement. Here's one of them. Here is one of the reasons or one of the purposes Jesus Christ came to earth. To destroy the works of the devil. Paul wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, and says essentially the same thing. Where he says in verse 14, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him, that had the power of death, that is the devil. Through dying at Calvary's cross, he would destroy the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fourth, the devil and his minions who are within the kingdom of darkness know the one true and holy God. Mark chapter 1 and verse 24. He cried out at the end of verse 23 saying, verse 24, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art. Isn't it interesting? He came unto his own, but his own didn't know him. But the demons knew him. I know thee who thou art. In Matthew, in chapter 8, in verse 29, the scripture records, And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? They knew he was the Son of God. The Pharisees didn't know that much. The Jews didn't know that much. They said, He is not the Son of God. And the demon said, Yes, he is. He rules and has reign over us. We know who this one is. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the Son of God. I know who thou art. James records, Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They knew who he is. They acknowledge Him as God Almighty with authority to rule over them. They acknowledge Him with the authority to destroy them if He chooses to do so. They acknowledge who He is. Jesus, the Son of God, has come. What are you doing here? How many times has that man been in the synagogue and that spirit sat silent? Under the teaching of the rabbis. How many times had he come 
Sabbath day after Sabbath day and sit there and quietly listening to religion. And Jesus shows up on this Sabbath day and says, We know who you are. What are you doing here? Have you come to destroy us? They know that Jesus Christ is the Holy God, the Holy Son of God. Mark records in verse 1 and verse 24, the Holy One of God. Daniel had prophesied of it many, many years before. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, Daniel 9 and verse 24, Daniel prophesies concerning this very account. Seventy weeks are determined upon the people, that's Israel, and upon the holy city, that's Jerusalem. For what purpose? Seventy weeks are determined upon the people and upon the holy city. To what end? To finish the transgression. To make an end of sin. To make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision of the prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. All those things took place on the streets of Jerusalem in Israel. All those took place at the appointed time when the 70th week came. Here it is. God says, the anointed one has come. The holy one has come. And the demons cry out, I know who you are. Prior to Daniel's prophecy, David had already written in Psalm 16, verse 10, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Luke records that when the angel came to Mary to speak to her concerning that child that she was carrying, the angel answered and said to her, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That holy thing that shall be born of you. That's the very Son of God. And many years later, the Apostle Paul would write to the Hebrews and say to them in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 and verse 26, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Holy, harmless, undefiled Son of God. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. David spoke of you. Daniel spoke of you. I know who you are. The angel said to Mary who you would be. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Jesus is called the Holy One of God because Jesus is perfectly and impeccably holy in Himself. He is the only begotten Son of God, equal with the Father, fully God in every way. And He is the Anointed One, the One who is set apart by God, by God the Father to accomplish the work of the Messiah, the Savior, the only mediator between God and man. 
the only Savior of sinners. The kingdom of darkness knows who Jesus Christ is. There are other verses we can use. I think of one, I haven't put it in my notes, but let me just give you the account. When in the book of Acts, the sons of Sceva were trying to cast out a demon, and the demon said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And they jumped on them, one demon on seven men, and drove them out of the house without their clothes. He had ripped off their clothes. Jesus we know. Paul we know. I've often asked myself, am I known in hell? Fifth, those within the kingdom of darkness fear what God can do to them. Mark chapter 1 and verse 24, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? The English word destroy comes from a Greek word which means to destroy fully or completely, either literally or figuratively. It is translated perished and lost in other parts of the scripture. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 6, whereby, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Same Greek word, destroyed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. Same Greek word. Those that sin has destroyed. Lost. The word destroy, also translated lost and perished, is not only used in reference to demons. To unclean spirits and the devil. But it's also used in reference to unrepentant sinners. Second Peter and Second Corinthians refer to those who have been destroyed by sin, who remain and if who remain unrepentant will be destroyed under the judgment of Almighty God. The Legion in the man of Gadara also feared the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 8, in verse 28, when Jesus began to address the man of Gadara, and the legion confessed who he was, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God Most High? I beseech you, torment me not. The English word torment comes from a Greek word that means to vex grievously with pain. It can refer to the body or to the mind. It can refer to that which is like an illness or some great trial as it is used throughout the scriptures. But it is also a word used to, of the torment of final judgment of God against Satan and against sin and against sinners. Revelation chapter 20. Follow with me as I read, beginning in verse 10. Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, 
and shall be tormented day and night forever. The devil, the beast, the false prophet, cast into the lake of fire, tormented day and night forever. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And by the way, this verse as a side note here destroys the idea that when a person goes to hell he is consumed in an instant in the flames of God I had many conversations with those who believe that hell is just like that and you're gone you cease to exist if hell is like that and you cease to exist how could hell give up the dead that was in it Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not only does the scripture teach that the unclean spirits and devil himself is tormented day and night forever in the lake of fire, but the Bible also teaches that lost sinners are cast into the same place of torment where the devil and his minions are. They understand who he is and what he can do to them. Have you come to torment me? Number six. The casting out of demons or unclean spirits is directly related to the fact that all souls belong to God and not Satan. Satan calls them his own when he talks about those that are bound, his own goods, when he talks about those that are bound in his kingdom. But they are, act- they are not his, they actually belong to God. The first thing I see here as a demonic possession of a man in the synagogue was a direct affront to God and a direct assault upon the authority of God over the soul. His right over the souls of all mankind has been interfered with and particularly his right over the soul of that man who sat in the synagogue that morning when he was present. Satan says, this is mine. I have possession of it. And God says, all souls are mine. Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the souls of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth it shall die. All souls are mine. All souls belong to God by creation. All souls exist by the power of God. The soul within you does not exist by the power of physical generation. There is a physical generation. There's something that takes place between uh, in, in the womb of a woman where the body is formed. 
Even God is involved in that though, but the soul is not formed that way. The soul returns to God who gave it. There is a mystery here about the soul. It's divided from the body, and men are trying to sound the depths of that thing, and I'll not try this morning because they haven't reached it, and I won't either. But it belongs to God, I know that much. God is called the Father of Spirits in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9. Shall we not much rather give, be in subjection unto the Father of Spirits and live, Paul writes. And in Numbers chapter 27, Moses speaks of God as the God of the, spirit of, God of the spirits of all flesh. Numbers 27, 16. All souls belong to God. That brings us to the second part of this, and that is this. Because all souls belong to God, He has the divine right to do with them as He will. Generally speaking, in Matthew 20 and verse 15, Jesus says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? All souls are mine. Particularly in Isaiah 43 verse 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he hath formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Thou art mine. In a general sense, all souls are His. And He can do with them as He wills. In a particular sense, He says to the sinner that He saves, Thou art mine. Thou art mine. The Lord Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Therefore, He has the right to liberate the soul of the one who is Satan's captive. And to punish all unclean spirits and the devil himself. No, 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 no. It's not yours. It's mine. Go. This one is mine. Where do we go? Go into those pigs over there. But this one is mine. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that Satan still considers it his right to possess, to control the souls of sinners. And still considers it an infringement upon his rights when the Lord Jesus Christ sets the prisoner free from their bondage of sin. And when he destroys the devil's influence over the soul. If you think you will be forever free from the onslaught of the evil one, consider Paul's words to the Ephesians that you should be armored with a full armor of God so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan is angered. And his anger is stirred against God and all that belongs to God when Satan comes into his kingdom and takes out that spoil to his own or for his own. And so for the rest of their lives, the saints battle against the evil one, against sin, until God takes them off to glory, into that perfect place of protection. But though we battle against his attacks, we can never again be brought into his kingdom. <laughs> we are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ.
The preaching of the gospel sets men free from their sin and from Satan. Jesus Christ speaking in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 in a synagogue said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those are them that are bruised. To preach deliverance to the captives. Isaiah prophesied of that day when he said of Jesus Christ that his ministry would include to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, to and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. David speaks of it again in Psalm 102 when he says in verse 19, For he looked down from the heights of his sanctuary, from heaven did the Lord behold the earth. What for, David? Verse 20, To hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose them that are appointed to death. In the preaching of the gospel, men are set free from the prison of Satan. Without the gospel, men would lie at peace in the lap of the evil one continually until they die and go off into the torments of the second of the lake of fire, which is the second death. And because of the great mercy of God, He has sent gospel preachers and He has sent the gospel into the world. And that disturbs the kingdom of darkness. But it's part of the good works that we do is to preach the gospel to our neighbors. To share the gospel with those around us. And though there may be certain effects from that work. Yet as a Christian I am bound to preach the gospel. That's a good work to do. I'm bound to share the gospel with as many as I am able to do so. With the understanding that as soon as I do, their soul may be disturbed. But not only that, the kingdom of Satan will also be disturbed. But we need not fear. I was talking to one pastor once. He said, don't talk to me about this stuff, Brother Pat. I'm afraid of that. I said, brother, no need to be afraid. God is, our God is greater. No need to be afraid. But there isn't a, there's something fearful about it. Because we can't see it or feel it or touch it. There's something about it that does cause us to fear. And we ought to not to be just running headlong like we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into because we don't. We don't want to be like that. But at the same time, we don't hesitate because God is with us. He that is with us is greater than he that is with them. There's something about understanding the power of the gospel and understanding the power of the one who has saved our souls that gives us a little courage in the midst of our fear and know that we are safe in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.